0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm Madison Allworth.
1: I'm Bill Hemmer. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, October 10th, 2022. I'm Chris Foster. Job growth is still strong, but cooling off a bit.
2: 263,000 jobs were added, less than the month before, but not a terrible number, better than expected.
3: And Lisa Brady. A police recruitment video goes viral. The officer who made it has more than hiring
4: on his mind. We want the community to know we're here for them for no other reason, not to get anything from them, not to gain anything from them, but for no other reason to let you know that we're here for you and that we see you. And I think that's the biggest issue is there's a lot of citizens in our community that feel like they're overlooked. And that has to be a priority.
0: I'm Liz Peake. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Monthly jobs report from
1: the Labor Department shows 263,000 jobs created in September, not as many as August, but more than most economists expected, and unemployment at a more than 50 year low. White House points out more than 10 million jobs, many, of course, lost during the early days of the COVID pandemic, have been added to the economy since President Biden took office.
5: Just look at today's jobs report. This recovery has been the fastest increase of people re-entering the workforce of any modern economic
1: recovery. The president talking about the economy in Hagerstown, Maryland. There are wage gains in that jobs report, but slower gains and not keeping up with inflation, especially energy prices. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy tells Fox the president's made us less energy independent.
4: He hates American
1: oil-filled workers so much that he'll never turn to us. More Americans are working, though, and that's good news for them in this monthly report.
2: It's hard to get a narrative from it. Looking at the market's interpretation of it, it would be a strong jobs report. Oh, well, then why is the market down?
1: Lauren Simonetti is an anchor and correspondent on Fox Business.
2: Well, good news on the labor front is bad news how the Fed interprets that. If the economy's A-OK looking at the labor market, they can continue to hike interest rates. Right. But to go back to the jobs report, this was for the month of September. I'll give you the numbers. 263,000 jobs were added, less than the month before, but not a terrible number, better than expected. And the big part is that the unemployment rate fell, the number of people out of work, fell sharply to three and a half percent. There's always a lot of reasons for this. Some well, people, and, 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 go and, ahead.
1: and it's another thing that. In some ways, that isn't great news because that means a lot of people aren't working. That number isn't based on the amount of Americans. It's based on the amount of Americans who are looking for work.
2: And then we have 57,000 Americans dropped out of the labor force in September. But if you continue to look at numbers, wages, for instance, everybody's complaining about inflation. You need higher wages to pay for your groceries, to pay to go to the movies, to pay for your car. I get it. But there is such a thing as wage inflation. And we did see wages rise. If you look at it on an annual basis— The answer is 5%, which obviously inflation is running at least three percentage points higher than that. But that 5% annual growth was the slowest growth all year. So when you look at all these different elements, the Fed can translate this as, oh, We continue to hike interest rates, but we're not breaking things yet so we can keep hiking. And there's this guy, this excellent journalist at The Wall Street Journal. His name is Nick uh, Timoros. He always gets the Fed scoop. And the markets went from down 200 today to down 400, down 500 once he posted, and I'm quoting, the Fed is on track for another big interest rate hike when they meet next month, meaning they will very likely 83% chance that they go for the fourth time in a row, 75 basis points, November 1st and November 2nd when they meet. That is like a lot of interest rate increases in a short period of time.
1: Is the overarching sense, and I know it's not an exact science that the Fed is doing that it's too little too late or too much too late, I guess maybe the better way to put it.
2: (laughs) Too much too late. I like that. I like that. Too much, too late. Have you noticed, and you might, being like a regular news person, you might have actually noticed because they're putting like five Fed officials out every single day and they're all saying the same exact thing. We're going to keep hiking interest rates until inflation goes down to our 2% target. It's way too high. It's way too high. Over and over and over again. I cannot remember hearing from so many Fed people in the same day, in the same week, and with the same exact message. And I think it's because they're trying to restore their credibility. Because they were very late in responding to inflation when everybody was feeling it. They said, oh, it's transitory. It's going to go away. Yeah, well, it didn't. And OPEC, whoa, they just gave a major blow to the Fed because look at what oil prices are doing. They're going back up. Gas prices are going back up. That is inflation.
1: Yeah, and inflation had been, a month or two ago, we could have said, okay, it looks like it's kind of taming a bit, but that taming was really all energy costs falling, everything else, groceries, housing, yada, 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 were still going up, Mm -hmm. Um, and now the energy costs may be going back up, then inflation is going to stay high.
2: That's the problem. Inflation is sticky.
1: Um, At what point is there a sense that the axes of inflation and wage inflation meet up or cross over? Like, when... Do those wage gains stabilize to the point where people are actually feeling it again? You know what I'm saying? Like it, where it's where wages are going up four percent and inflation is going up four percent,
2: or wages are going up four percent and inflation is going up two percent, and better. then you actually feel richer and right. that vacation doesn't hurt as much. I have no idea. Um, everyone's trying to figure out at what point the Fed decides to, stay, to to get to that normal, that neutral rate where they can keep rates at a relatively high level, but create more comforts in the economy Mm -hmm. and it might be the beginning of next year
1: have you dug into the sectors in this job yeah, uh, in, sure. in this job uh, report? Anything jump out? Uh, is it big big gains or anything stalling out?
2: We have stopped spending money collectively on stuff, and we are spending it on services. So if you look at leisure and hospitality, you're, go- you're going on vacation. Everyone I knew went to Oktoberfest in Germany. I mean, I don't know why that's so popular <laughs> suddenly. I guess it was the first one in a long time. But leisure and hospitality, uh, bars, restaurants, all that, 83,000 jobs were added in September. Professional and business services added 46,000 jobs. And then I started to look at those interest rate sensitive sectors, which is technology. Um, those are the companies, huge companies like Meta, coming out and saying, Yeah, we're freezing hiring, we're cutting back, we're doing this, because their future valuations as big tech companies are lowered as interest rates grow, go up drastically.
1: All those hospitality jobs being created, how does that square with, at least anecdotally, what we're still hearing from people in that business saying, I can't hire, I can't hire, nobody wants to work. You know, I've had to cut my restaurant hours. I was reading this article that music festivals were screwed up all summer because they couldn't find enough people to work for the vendors. So there were long lines everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, If all these jobs are being created, who's taking them?
2: Not a clue. I cannot square this circle to save my life. And I haven't met anybody who can. You look at the latest jobs that are open. It's almost two job openings for every one person looking for work. So, I mean, it's crazy. There, where are these? And then you have all these people unemployed. It makes no sense. I, I I don't know.
1: I mean, the unemployment rate again is. You have all these people unemployed who aren't looking for work. Right. Is there a weird? I don't know the answer to this. Is there a weird? Which is why I'm asking. Is there a weird gap where people? Are Like gig workers, for example, mm-hmm. who are putting together a living doing this, doing that, you know, whatever, selling stuff on Etsy or delivering food that don't get picked up yeah. in the employment report. Are there more people making money ways that aren't being counted by the Labor Department?
2: Perhaps. I have to look into the numbers for the different types of unemployment rates and how they break it down, but that is very valid. There's also this idea that um, for, when companies advertise jobs that are open – if it's a remote job, for instance, is it considered a job that's open in all the different places it's been advertised if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. So, there are some funky things going on mm-hmm. right now, no doubt.
1: Yeah, yet another COVID deal where, um, you know, a lot of those hospitality workers left because there was no hospitality to provide and they went on to do other things and mm-hmm. they and now they're still doing that. They're doing, you know, selling real estate or whatever they're doing. Um, you did a story on quiet quitting. Uh, explain again for people who don't know what that is. And, um, <laughs> And like pay, is this another way that workers are just taking back a little bit of power with a pendulum swe- um, swinging their way?
2: It matters who you speak to. So what is quiet quitting? It's this new trendy buzzword, this hashtag for being disengaged at work, which is funny because, I mean, we've been disengaged for a very long time, way before the pandemic. But now it's, it's um, taking on significance, if you will, I think, because more people are working remotely. I don't know about you. We show up every day. We have a different type of job. But at- all of my friends at home who go they complain about going to the office twice a week. They complain about that. Nobody wants to come back into the office, yet we have, according to Gallup, more than half of workers saying they're disengaged. Well, of course you're disengaged because there's no social connection. I mean, you'd have no one breathing down your back, you'd have no, you know, uh, no one updating and rating your performance, right? I wanna know, in this whole three years that we've been doing work from home, does someone actually get promoted? working from home. So we examined this trend of quiet quitting, and I spoke to Meryl Rosenthal. She actually started a a hybrid work company 17 years ago when it was like, what? What are you doing? You're crazy. Now she's in all this demand because of her knowledge for over a decade in the field. And she says, it's not the workers' problems that people are quiet quitting. It's not your problem being the employee. It's your boss's problem. Companies are not listening to what employees want. They need to say, if you're coming into the office two days a week, this is why, this is what we expect from you when you're here, and this is what we expect from you when you're home. And you also have to find a way to communicate and keep in touch with people, even if it's remotely.
1: Uh, because you do hear some of these people who, and again, we're talking primarily about you know office jobs or or, or stuff like that, where people, okay, I'm coming in two days a week, three days a week, but... Hardly anybody else is here and I'm just doing the same stuff. I'm just having the same meetings. I'm just, I just had to commute now. I'm. I, I'm to still be over. on
2: Zoom all day. Right. I just commuted. I spent money. I hired childcare for the day and I'm on Zoom all day, but technically I'm physically in the office. It gets right. even better. Some employees, I swear this is happening. They bring these cards to work, a red card, a green card, and a yellow card, okay. and they put them on their desk. So you're these two days a week, you're going to the office, you're physically there. People are going to want to talk to you, right? Social connection is important. And then you're putting a red card on your desk, meaning stay away from me. I got work to do. What's the point? But if you ask a worker, what's the point? They're saying, you know, I can just get a lot more done when I'm physically in the office because I have less distractions than I do at home. So I just want to communicate to my coworkers when I'm available to talk so I don't spend my whole day – talking rather than working but it kind of just defeats the point right
1: i mean i get it you you've, uh, you've uh, you know you could be you know knee deep into something you're trying to work on and somebody comes up and wants to chit chat and it's just not the right time and maybe in those situations it's, it's yeah yellow card <laughs> and maybe in those situations it is more productive to be at home mm-hmm. but being at home also it maybe exposes how little work a lot of people oh. actually do
2: What's so funny is that it's like 8 in 10 workers say, I'm more productive at home, I I guess because the day is elongated, but their bosses completely disagree with them. So when we're talking about a tight job market and hearing from these big companies like the big tech companies, but others, you can go down the list, saying we might be freezing, hiring, or we're cutting hiring, KPMG just said 46% of CEOs said in the next six months, they're cutting. You're nervous if you're working remotely. Ooh, is that
1: me?
2: Right. You know? Out
1: of sight out of mind, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they think they don't need me.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, this is going a little far afield from the jobs, the jobs report. Oh, but, boy. But when you, that thing about when you ask, um, you know, managers, bosses, uh-huh. do you want people working uh, in person? Well, yeah, because bosses got a boss. And if people aren't there to be boss, then what are you there for?
2: You're so smart. That's, it. That's exactly what it is. So it's like the big person in the corner office wants everybody there. And then it's up to the lower level boss, basically the manager being this, you know, conduit between complaining employees and a complaining boss. And it's like, what do you do? You get squeezed. And that's actually the most unhappy level, that manager level.
1: Lauren Simonetti, anchor and correspondent on Fox Business. Thank you.
6: that's angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done that's angie your trusted ally in home services
0: this is liz peak with your fox news commentary coming up Hiring
3: new police officers isn't as easy as it used to be, relatively speaking, across the U.S. A top union official, the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, going so far as to call it a manpower crisis over the summer at a time when crime rates have been on the rise. Departments that have had trouble recruiting and retaining officers cite a variety of reasons, including the same pandemic-related factors other employers have had. Negative perceptions of policing can also play a role after mass protests and a defunding movement that gave momentum after the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis some departments are down dozens or even hundreds of officers and one is trying something new. Well, howdy, folks.
6: Officer Big B here.
3: Are you looking for a new job? That's Fort Worth, Texas, police officer Buddy Calzada.
4: Well, come join us here at the Fort Worth Police Department. We're hiring and we got it
3: all. Putting his unique and heartfelt spin on a recruitment video. That's right, folks.
4: You may be asking yourself, but Big B, I want horsepower. You got horsepower? Well, of course, we've got horsey.
3: The video has gone viral.
4: Recruiting nationwide is uh, seems like it's tough.
3: Officer Calzada, who says he loves connecting with the community, has been with the force for five years.
4: I will tell you, uh, it's a little different here in Fort Worth. Now, keep in mind, you still have to be creative. You still have to be, you know, relevant. But uh, right now, especially with this last video we put out, uh, the recruiting efforts aren't as hard as uh, anyone would expect. We're we're getting some good applicants. We're getting a lot of applicants, and they're just nonstop at the moment. And uh, keep in mind, it's going to be open all the way until the end of October.
3: So the videos seem to be making a difference. What kind of, you know, response have you had when when people come in to apply? They're talking about the videos. Why does it seem like it's resonating with them?
4: I think it's resonating with them because it's uh, humor relates with everybody. And, uh, you know, we couldn't put a video out there that shows SWAT busting down doors, someone at a traffic stop. Yes, all those lights and physical force, you know, out there just doesn't sell. It's not attractive to somebody that says, you know what? I just want to get out and serve my community as a police officer. And uh, we wanted to make something humorous, but also something that people would watch. And we felt like just with the views that we're getting on Facebook and Instagram, even our TikTok, the amount of views that we're getting is great, but the amount of applicants that we're getting back is even better. And uh, so that's what I'm loving right now is that we're getting a good turnout. I can actually tell you, as of this morning, uh, as far as application wise, we have over 300 applicants that have filled out completely the process to be looked at for the next step. And uh, again, like I said, we still have through the month of October.
3: Wow. So you've gotten several hundred applicants already. When you do get applicants, how many are turned away over things like physical or mental health issues or maybe criminal background issues?
4: Right. So, the policy to be or the application process is a long process. We're needing 150 new police officers in 2023. So, we look at it statistically about 10%. So, we would need to get about 1,500 applicants to be processed through the entire uh, system to be able to graduate. You know, some do get kicked out because of physical fitness. Some do, you know, they're not allowed to continue because maybe something came up in in an evaluation. Uh, There's a lot to this testing procedure or the application procedure to be able to just actually start day one of the academy. And so it's about 10% that we can keep out of all applicants.
3: Why did you decide to become a police officer?
4: Oh, that's easy. I love serving my city. I've ran a nonprofit for 25 years, my wife and I have, and um, it was easy to raise money, so to speak, for the events that we would do. We would give away 500 bikes in one specific neighborhood, thousands of turkeys in a different neighborhood. We would do all these big events to take care of all these families, but when it came time to put aside money for savings, put aside money for, you know, my kid's college, I just didn't feel justified. There's just no way to to pull an income for that. So I needed a way to continue to serve my city, to continue to serve the families that need help and be able to take care of my own family at the same time. And um, I decided to join the Fort Worth Police Department and it's the best thing I've ever done.
3: Some of the reasons that you list for wanting to become an officer, I think they're the things that people think of historically when they think of, you know, it's a good job to be a police officer you know steady job good benefits um, sometimes a very competitive job to get what do you sure. think has um what do you think has changed nationwide with that you know with perspectives about policing I mean is is that no longer kind of the the view that's held by most people about jobs in a police department um,
4: you know I can give you I can only give you my own view. Uh, everybody's going to have their different opinions and different views, no doubt. But for me, I, I would think one of the smallest things, but also the largest at the same time, is video. Uh, if there's no video to back it up, it didn't happen. You know, people have been committing crimes for years. And, you know, people have been going to jail for years for crimes that they commit. And, uh, you know, if, if something's not visibly seen by somebody else to judge, then it maybe it didn't happen. And it's, so it's just a, a, a negative narrative that can be placed very easily. Well, we didn't see this, so it didn't happen. And, you know, police officers put their lives on the line to, you know, arrest a burglar or something like that. And, you know, people will look at it and say, well, we didn't see no video evidence. So, you know, we'll turn the sky loose. And yet putting our own lives on the line for somebody else and the person just gets to walk away, it, it's tough on an officer to, to, to do that, to put your life on a line for a complete stranger. We don't mind doing it. We don't mind at all. But, you know, when we have a a system that's kind of hard sometimes to be able to basically prosecute somebody for crimes they have committed and that you have more than enough evidence for, uh, it's kind of tough. That's just one little nugget.
3: Are we getting better at addressing the stress that police feel on the job?
4: That's tough to answer because being a police officer, your emotions go from one extreme to the next. It's kind of like a car that would be sitting in neutral at about 600 RPMs, and then somebody just step on the gas, and the RPMs go up to 6,000, and then you let off the gas, and it goes right back down. So there's been days when I've answered calls where uh, somebody was speeding in a school zone. Well, the next call I may go to is uh, an individual that may have a mental health issue and is trying to jump off of a bridge, and I've got to get through traffic as quick as I can, lights and sirens, you know, all officers do uh, when we call running code and help this person and pull them back from the other side of the bridge, do whatever we can to try to talk them down. And then we leave that call and go back to uh, just a minor fender bender. And your emotions are just all over the place. So are we doing a good job? Yes, we're trying to get a good grasp on it. And I think the community is helping us. Doctors are helping us, but it's very hard. It's very challenging. I think. It, I think that's why the application process can be hard We need good, strong men and women that are physically fit and that are mentally fit uh, that are also able to recognize if they're dealing with an issue that they cannot handle to please get help.
3: What about, in addition to recruitment, retention? Has that been more challenging as well, keeping existing officers on the job?
4: I think in Fort Worth, we've done a great job of uh, retaining our officers Uh, the rate that they're leaving would just be because a lot of them are actually have served a long time. And that speaks highly of our Fort Worth police officers. A lot of them are retiring because it is time for them to retire. Like years wise, they've served their, you know, 25 to 32 to 33 years and have done an excellent job. And, you know, we're just in the process of filling those spots. If there was something to be, I don't really think there's a, there's not a negative uh, persona that's saying, I must leave the Fort Worth Police Department. I don't think that's happening. Uh, What's happening is we're just needing to fill the spots that are becoming empty for normal reasons.
3: What about the defund police movement? Has that had a negative impact on recruitment or retention? Or has that not really been an issue in your city?
4: It's not really been an issue in our city. It's an easy narrative to bite off on and say we want to defund the police. But the simplistic way to answer that is no matter who you are, you're going to need the police. And that's what we want to do is just go out there and serve. And that's who we serve. No matter if you're male or female, no matter what your race is, we go out there and serve. So, of course, people can, you know, say a specific narrative and do this and do that, but it's whether you believe in it or not because at some point in time, people are going to need the police and we want to be available for that. And I think it's a it's an easy way to say we have to have the police. And uh, I think the the reasonable person will know that we cannot eliminate the police from our society.
3: How important are the community outreach type programs? Um. Along those lines, because it's it's not just police responding when something bad happens. If if you also have a presence um, at community events, kind of a positive, you know, forward facing presence, I'm guessing that helps a lot.
4: Right. Uh, You know, doing community outreach and being out in the neighborhoods, uh, I will tell you this. I learned long ago that everything rises and falls on leadership and the leadership that we have at the Fort Worth Police Department is amazing it's great to be able to say uh, hey we want to be able to make this video our goal is not to make it go viral our goal is to get new recruits but while we're doing that at the same time we don't we're we're smart enough to know that we don't just need recruits but we have to take care of what we have let's take care of our city Uh, our chiefs give us the ability and the freedom to go out and do community events large community events i'm a part of those or we just go out for one day for no reason I remember a couple of events that we did uh, for no reason at all. We just went out, put on our social media account that we're giving out free snow cones. And uh, within one hour, we gave out 250 or 270 snow cones for just people that wanted to come out and just say, why are you doing this? And we're like, because we want the community to know we're here for them for no other reason, not to get anything from them, not to gain anything from them, but for no other reason to let you know that we're here for you and that we see you. And I think that's the biggest issue is there's a lot of citizens in our community that feel like they're overlooked. And that has to be a priority. You have to be able to look at somebody and say, you know what, I'm gonna take a second here. And yes, we all have busy schedules, but I'm gonna take a second and let you know, I thank you for coming out here to get a snow cone. We hope you have a great day. Please, if you ever need us, my name is Buddy, give us a call, you know, please rely on your officers. And when you build those bonds, those bonds are stronger in the community. And those bonds actually do more of a recruitment job than these videos that go viral.
3: Well, Fort Worth police officer Buddy Calzada, lots of luck with the recruitment effort and um, congratulations on the success of the videos.
4: Thank you so much. Here's a look at the week
5: ahead. Monday is Columbus Day. It is a federal holiday with banks and the post office closed, and in LA the rape and sexual assault trial of one-time movie mogul Harvey Weinstein begins. Weinstein already convicted of similar crimes in New York. Tuesday another two-day Amazon Prime Days event begins. Wednesday representatives from the dozens of countries that make up the Ukraine Defense Contact Group will meet in Brussels while Russian President Vladimir Putin meets with the president of Kazakhstan. Thursday, the January 6th committee holds a hearing focusing on findings concerning former President Trump's main fundraising apparatus, the Save America PAC, and the Social Security Administration will announce a cost-of-living adjustment. Friday, Georgia's Senate candidates, Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican Herschel Walker will debate in Savannah. And on Saturday, Medicare open enrollment begins. It runs through December the 7th. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Kevin Uretzky, Fox News.
7: Precise, personal, powerful its America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Liz Peak. What's on your mind?
0: Elon Musk is back at it, driving the left crazy and confounding investors. The mercurial Tesla founder has agreed to buy Twitter after all at the $44 billion price tag agreed upon all those many contentious months ago. The head spinning turn of events has the woke left up in arms. The Hill quoted Angela Carasone, president of the ultra liberal media matters, claiming that Musk will turn Twitter into a fever swamp of dangerous conspiracy theories, partisan chicanery and operationalized harassment, whatever that means. Bridget Todd, communications director of the women's advocacy group Ultraviolet, asserted in a statement that Elon Musk is about to rip open Pandora's box and flood the internet once again with hate, misogyny, racism, and conspiracy theories. I guess she's not a fan. All this outrage because Musk has vowed to create a, quote, virtual town square, unquote, and has described himself as a champion of free speech. Worse. Musk has suggested he might vote Republican. It's a strange time in our country where Democrats rail about unseen threats to our democracy, but at the same time are horrified that someone might uphold a freedom that is regarded globally as the bedrock of any democracy, freedom of speech. For millions of Americans, Twitter and Facebook interfering with the 2020 election by suppressing the damaging Hunter Biden laptop story and giving Joe Biden a free pass, that is a real threat to democracy. Unless something unexpected happens, with Musk you never know, it looks like he will end up buying Twitter at a premium for a firm that has been missing growth targets and that may actually have a serious bot problem. In any event, if this self-made, brilliant entrepreneur wants to blow many billions of dollars on making Twitter an open platform, I say, bravo. Millions of Americans are disgusted with the leftward bias of our social media companies and will welcome Musk's purchase of Twitter and commitment to open dialogue. Having seen big tech suppress debate about COVID treatments and vaccines, about the Biden's family, possibly illegal, Influence peddling, and conservative opinions on other controversial matters, I will join them. I'm Liz Peake, Fox News contributor.
7: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive
1: deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.